Hello and welcome to the Discipleship Matters podcast. I am Sean Keith, the Sunday School and Discipleship Strategist with Louisiana Baptist. This podcast is for those who lead and coordinate the small group ministry so that your church can make disciples who make disciples. In this episode, we talk with Rick Ellis. He has led the small group ministry at Trinity Baptist Church in Lake Charles, Louisiana, for the past 19 years. And over that time, Rick has experienced lots of changes, and he shares some of his experience on how he recruits, trains, and stays connected with his team of teachers and group leaders. It's not always easy to coordinate a team of different personalities and levels of experience. So we'll look at some practical ways to keep your team connected to the vision. So now, let's dive into our conversation with Rick Ellis. So let's start with a couple of questions. I just want to, let's let's start kind of with that 30,000 foot view. So let's kind of get your perspective on the small group ministry in your church. How do you think it impacts uh, accomplishing the purpose or the mission of the church? First of all, I my obviously my most recent experience for the 19 years is is from the environment of Trinity Baptist right. Church mm-hmm. uh, although I do think the principles apply to across the board yeah. and there's several different models um, among denominations about how to do church right but there's one thing that I think Southern Baptists do well at least better than most uh, denominations and that is a small group ministry whatever way you want to call it we call our Sunday morning Bible study right. uh, we don't have we have a few groups that meet during the week uh, there's some specific challenges for that if we wanted to dive into that but most of ours are on Sunday morning Bible study mm-hmm. times and what I say to our leaders is that that is the backbone of the church Right, And so, you know, it is through the small groups where ministry happens is where the reaching happens. I mean, if we have people visit in worship, you know, we immediately assign them to a small group, age-appropriate small group. And then that's how they're contacted. That's mm-hmm. how relationships begin. Uh, that's how where ministry happens. If there's a, you know, some kind of ministry point uh, in, you know, where those uh, people in a car wreck they need ministering to, or there's a death in a family, or you know there's a financial crisis, marriage crisis, whatever. Right. Ministry happens in the small groups, and so I mean that, and then um, there's just so many different elements that the small group adds that um, you can come to a worship service, right, and never get connected with a church, but the small group is a is a connection point, and so if if you don't have a small, a vibrant small group ministry, right. then you're missing a great uh, part of church life. Yeah, we, know, we talk about the five purposes of the church, evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, ministry, and worship. In, in reality, I mean, it hits on all five of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how, how do you think in, in your specific context here at, at Trinity Baptist, I mean, how have the, over the years, how have you tried to infuse these different elements of the purpose of the church into the small group ministry through your leaders and through those groups? There's several, as you just mentioned, several purposes uh, yeah. that, that can be fulfilled through there. I do major on a few of those uh, more so. I mean, for example, worship happens in what we call the worship setting, right. in the, the big room, the big auditorium and stuff. But for the, the small groups, I guess our major thrust is uh 
discipleship, growth, maturity, uh, maturing of the believers. And so, you know, what I tell our teachers, and I guess this might be a teaching point, is that there's preparation and presentation. If you want to break it down, small group, kind of like preparation and presentation. So it is that small group where that presentation happens. We can get into other things if you want to a little bit later. But um, for for maturity of the believer, and so... um, you know, there's always the question. It's interesting that you brought that up because I've been in ministry. One of the first conferences I went to years and years ago, they were talking about discipleship. Right. And back in the day, long, long time ago, there used to be a organization called Discipleship Training on right. Sunday evening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was it's interesting that Southern Baptists didn't necessarily recognize Sunday morning Bible study as discipleship or maturing a believer. That was for Sunday night. Right. And so I never believed that concept. I said, you know, we are studying the Bible. We're studying the Scripture on Sunday morning. And so it is It is discipleship. It's it is. maturing of the believer, you know, kind right. of thing and stuff. But anyway, over the that's morphed over the years and stuff. And so with that and just connection, people connecting people are looking for relationships people need relationships we are created for relationships and we're discipled in the context of relationships absolutely you you can't you can't disciple outside of that that's right you can gain knowledge but it's it is a different world when you when you're walking hand in hand with an individual going through the ups and downs of life and just maturing and seeing how what the Christian response would be and what God and the character that God is trying to mold in you and make who you should be in in light of Christ. That's a different world. So that happens, uh, you know, from a large context. Uh, I say larger than just one on one in the small group setting. Yeah. Yeah. And so, well, really, you know, we could even take the term discipleship, and I mean, even in worship, there's an element of discipleship in everything the church does. Even though one program might, you know, worship might be primarily done in a worship center, doesn't mean that worship only happens there. So, discipleship in the broader scheme, sometimes it happens better, and happens better in context because you're in small groups. These are people you know. These are people you see. So a lot has evolved, even when we think about that, just the language we use to describe what a small group is and what a small group does. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you think when, when you're hearing that, you're thinking about somebody out there who's not fully, have, doesn't have the, the, the number of years of experience that you have, what would you say to them in our current context that helps them to know that small group ministry is key to a healthy, vibrant church. And so how do we how do we help them to see that and understand that small groups is more than just showing up and, and opening a Bible? Well, I mean, I think that probably if a person is a leader, they yeah. probably haven't had the experience of somebody speaking into their life. And they probably haven't had the experience of people that have pulled them aside or you know, whether it be a, another pastor or a student pastor or somebody who has had some kind of element of discipleship in their life, somebody who's been involved in their life in a small group context. But, you know, you just, you from a pastoral perspective, 
the pastor has got to believe in that small group uh, aspect if he wants to grow his church. Yeah. You know, if not, you just got, you know, a, I don't know, <laughs> a cheerleading thing on Sunday mornings and, you know, trying to pump people up. And right. Well, and in, in essence, you know, in the worship service, you don't really make those connections. Mm-hmm. And without those connections, can you really have the relationship you need to encourage one another, to equip one another, to challenge one another, maybe even to some degree hold one another accountable? It's hard to do in worship, much easier in in a small group. Right, 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 right. You know, I, I in general, our church doesn't know this, but even though uh, it's a, a philosophy of ministry, even though the, uh, our staff has seen it several times, it's kind of an operating philosophy that we that we use that I've implemented, and that is kind of looking at a funnel mm-hmm. and using the, I forget exactly, I think it's in Exodus 18, but anyway, when Jethro, uh, Moses was judging the people all day long, Jethro told him, he said, you need to break your groups up into, and uh, I think he said thousand fifties and tens or something like that. And so the principle that we've been using is that the worship is the front door. That is like the first opportunity. But then you work yourself down to the funnel, and so our next level of the funnel is like large group experiences through conferences or yeah. events and stuff. And then you go down a little bit further, then it goes into another layer, and that is a small group layer, and that would be where your, your tens yeah. in a biblical perspective. And then below that is another group, what we call... Uh, you know the groups now they they call them d groups it's a small groups right men with men women with women you know one and uh, one uh, leader or a facilitator or and you know three or four or five guys three four or five women stuff like that and so there's discipleship environments there's there's levels of discipleship in all of those but really when you talk about life change Mm-hmm. And walking through life, it doesn't happen until that right down there at that bottom, where people just kind of share life together. Yeah. So, and that's that's hard to do because um, number one, people have to make it a priority, yeah. and number two, uh, people are just whatever they're just busy. Yeah. yeah. You know? And it, you know, and it's hard because families, individuals, men, women, children, they're only going to give you so much time every week. Mm-hmm. And so you got to manage that time, and you got to manage that discipleship process. So, like you said, with the funnel, great illustration to help them know that you know this is this is your next step. This is this is how you you move beyond just the, the surface. And then once you get into those more intimate relationships, so let's talk about the those relationships in that small group. But uh, you know. Uh, there are different opinions about the size of an effective small group. What, what what do you think when you're thinking about the average small group? What would that look like? I mean, today it's crazy. Some have like 50, 60 in them, and some of those are healthy, and some of those are not. Some of those are like five or six. Some of those healthy. Some of those are not. What, what do you think about as far as the, the size of the group? You don't really control it. I don't have the convictions. Mm-hmm. Okay, that are traditional Southern Baptists. Yeah. I look at it from a different perspective. Okay. And the question is, how effective is Good. that 
is that group. Let's not talk about size. Let's talk about effectiveness. I might even agree with that. So <laughs> let me give you an example. You know, growing up, you go to the conferences and everything, keep the group small and stuff, which I I believe that ideally that is, uh, you know, if you're looking for a number of uh, good groups and where they're uh, getting to know each other relationships and they connect and, right. they, and stuff like that, you know, you're probably talking about an average of attendance, I would say maybe 10 or 12. Yeah. But I have a very effective class. I know it sounds crazy, but they run 100. Mm-hmm. And to tell you the truth, they are probably one of the most effective classes that we have. And the reason they're 100 is because they do a good job of what they do. That's right. And so, but the way that they've done that is they've broken it down to small groups. You know, the old care group style. Right. Groups within the groups. And so, like, if they run 100 on Sunday morning, well, they might have, I don't know, 15 or 20 small groups throughout the week. And so I can email them prospects. I know the people to email it to and stuff. They're on it. People, I mean, in a, somebody gets sick, I find out they're already on it. Somebody's, you know, they've had a death in the class. They're already on it. And so they're very effective. Yeah. Whereas I might have a group that's run, you know, 20, and I, you know, email them uh, the in-reach or outreach leader uh, a prospect or something like that. They don't contact them. Yeah. You know, they don't they, they do not do anything. Sometimes I think, kind of like I believe, I know this sounds, I want to be careful. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But small classes sometimes are small for a reason. Yeah, that's right. And they're, they're, the reason they're small is because, and I don't want to hurt any teacher's uh, feelings here, but because the teacher is uh, boring or doesn't engage the students in the presentation and nobody's trying to make an effort to reach out. You know, it's us. 10 people and no right. more and you know this is our fellowship don't bother us kind of thing and stuff and the way I handle that is fine until I need your classroom and then we're going to move your classroom to somewhere else uh, where uh, make room for a more effective class and more effective leaders. Well yeah and, and really that will evolve to our next question really because we won't talk about leaders because you know you describe so let's talk about what kind of outcome do we believe effective small groups achieve? What, what, what? How does that impact the church, the community? I mean, like for example, is it producing leaders? Are people growing and maturing? Is ministry happening? You know, are are they starting new groups? You know, what are the outcomes w- that we want out of those small groups? I can walk in a room on Sunday mornings, and I can pretty much size up whether this is an effective class or not. And the reason I say that is because there's life. Yeah. There's life in the room. I mean, think about that. You walk in the room. It's organic. Yeah. People are talking. People are visiting and, you know, different things like that. And they, you know, if I bring a guest into the room, I mean, somebody immediately will grab them and say, hey, welcome. And, man, we're so glad to have you here and, and talk about that. Versus I'll go into some classes and everybody's just sitting there playing on their phone. Yeah. You know, there's 10 or 12 people in the room and everybody's in kind of in their own Waiting world. for it to start. Waiting for it to start. I mean, why, if, if I'm a guest, why in the world would I want to be a part of that class? Yeah, so we're looking for engagement. I'm looking for engagement. I'm looking for life, first of <laughs> life, all. <yeah. laughs> you know? uh, 
But also, as far as classes and the expectations, you know, obviously the ministry part, obviously the reaching when we give out um, assignments or prospects and stuff like that, that somebody's going to reach out to them. There are some other things that I have, I I don't know that I've been too successful at it, but it is um, a couple of things. One is a plurality of leaders, what I call plurality of leaders. Sometimes the teachers and in our, in our, in our world, we call our, um, our directors, um, you know, shepherd leaders, and sometimes we we just have different names that we've used. Over, but we'll just say director. Yeah. You have your teacher, and then you have your director. Sometimes they like the ministry so much, they want to do it all. Right. And matter of fact, I met with each class separately uh, last fall. I in this room in our in our conference room, I met with each class separately, and I talked about having a plurality of leaders. Yeah. And sharing the role of ministry, sharing the role of ministry and getting other people involved. Right. And so that would be a sign of a of a healthy class as far as I'm concerned. And the other one is, is reproducing. Right. And so that's what I was going to say was I have not done as good a job with that. Um, There are some dynamics where we are. The way our structure is right now, we're out of space. On Sunday morning, I yeah. have no more space. I might could go off campus and do a few things and stuff, but um, we have some – in Lake Charles, we have some dynamics that maybe the other churches uh, around the state haven't dealt with, and that is we got hit a couple years ago with a level 5 hurricane, right. and then we had the pandemic, and then we had a flood. And then we In Lake Charles, we had four natural disasters – in one year, yeah, and that really took a toll on things. So we had to we had to contract, yeah, okay, uh, qu- quite a bit. And so as a result, some of our programming thing stuff was cut back, and we had to contract spaces. And so we've expanded our worship, but we haven't expanded our Bible study spaces. Going to two Bible study hours, which we hope to do soon, which will free up double our space basically in the adult right. world. But anyway, uh, but reproducing. And so I think that's a, that's a huge sign that of a healthy class and pushing them out into ministry. Yeah. You know, I mean. Because you need preschool, children, youth leaders. I mean, and they all come from adult classes. They come from adult classes. And that's that's huge right now. We, we desperately need some preschool and children um, leaders. And so, uh, matter of fact, I'm having a, a meeting on in a few weeks here with our adult classes, and I'm going to be specifically talking about our needs in our children's in preschool area. And so, we desperately need some folks in there. And there's what I tell our adult leaders is that they're sitting in your classroom. Yeah, this shared ministry we talked about just a minute ago gives them the chance to actually use their gifts mm-hmm. and their talents and abilities within the class, so that hopefully one day. They can be sent out to serve to either start a new class or to help with preschool children or youth ministry. I mean, so sounds like an effective class does both of those things, and both of those things feed into one another. Absolutely, no doubt. You know, I I, I have a I'm trying to remember the different elements of it, but I have a piece of paper. It's called a class health score, mm-hmm. and it has you know you grade yourself and how, how are you doing and you know, different things like that. But it's all those kind of elements and stuff, and you know, and then you have. I know this sounds basic, but it's it's fun, it, it, and it has to be like 
how many of your class leaders actually know who's in their class and who's enrolled in their right. class. Yeah. And so somewhere somebody's got to have a role. Yeah. And somebody's got to stay on top of that to say, hey, this guy hadn't been in a while and who's going to make a contact there or what's going on in their life and and different things. And so um, I know it sounds crazy, but just basic things like a role. In other words, a teacher could teach class and I have a class secretary who's going to take the role, but the two never meet. Yeah. <laughs> they never talk about it. And so, you know, um, I don't want to get get us off track too much, but I mean that's another reason why you should have leadership meetings yeah. uh, and or those classes at least. If you're not going to have something if formal from the church, well then you get together with your class leadership once a month and have dinner over at your house and bring all the class leaders over. And let's talk about the work of the class. Well, you know, you talked about <clears throat> measuring our effectiveness outcomes, but also you you mentioned something just a moment ago. Let's 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 dive into that. You talked about you kind of have a scorecard for your class where they can evaluate their effectiveness. So that's important. I mean, I would think of it to value, you know, helping them to understand, you know, hey, maybe I'm not doing as well in this area. Maybe I need more help in this area. Maybe I need more resources in this area. So how does that help to increase the outcome or the, the ability of a vibrant, effective class or a small group to be able to continue to be more uh, effective at not only caring for people, reaching people, and teaching the Word of God, but also producing the kind of leaders we need for the rest of the church. Well, I, there's, I'm trying to remember all the different categories, but basically it, it pretty much coincides with the purposes of the church the, right. that you had mentioned a little bit earlier. One of those, you know, is the reaching and the teaching and the uh, the fellowship and then uh, evangelism you know, a lot of it depends on the content of the lesson. Sometimes it lends itself more to evangelism and and also the uh, the teacher and the members of the class and stuff. And so, um, in in a lot of classes, the teachers know that the you know the pupils and stuff, and so they know whether or not there's a time for evangelism there or not. But then, uh, then you know the other one is discipleship. And so, but what one of the things that we do with that quote, scorecard, so to speak, is um, I'll just pass it out and I'll say, hey, here, here's, y'all measure yourself and then let's talk about it. And so the two top ones that they always say, oh, well, we do great in that area. Yeah. yeah. Fellowship. Yeah, you know. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fellowship, well, yeah. Or, or teaching. It's, it's <laughs> Those are always the top two, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's <laughs> ministering. Are you caring for your members? Um, sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How much How much do you out, uh, reach out? You know, when was the last time this guy here has been yeah. contacted? Have, have, have you been praying for these lost people over here? Yeah. Um, yeah, those um, are pretty, pretty much zilch, <laughs> you know, nothing there. But uh, so it's. You know, I don't know. I wish there was a way to motivate them to follow up. I can give them ideas and stuff like that, you yeah. know. Uh, but I, but it's hard to follow up and um, how are you doing in that area? You know, unless unless which I do sometimes. I'll call them and I'll say, "Hey, how are you doing in that in that area?" And stuff. Yeah, that happens from time to time. Uh, I try not to be offensive to somebody to people, you know, because they might be offended by it, but it. Most of my leaders, because I've been here so long, uh, I've pretty much enlisted probably 90 to 95 percent of our our leaders. So you know these people. I know the people. I know I have a relationship with them, you know, and I do lunch with them and call them, talk to them outside of 
you know, Sunday morning yeah. Bible study and stuff. We, we do things socially together. So that goes back to your role a little bit. So let's talk about, we talk about the dynamic of the small group ministry where it's in context of relationships. But as you're leading leaders, it does require that connection with your leaders. I mean, how do you continue to do that? I mean, I don't know how many how many small groups you have, but I imagine you've got a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you stay on top of that? How do you stay connected with them? And how do you help them become the leaders that, that they believe God wants them to become? I mean, let's talk about that relationship a little bit more. One of the aspects, <clears throat> as a staff person, you may go through certain periods of church work and where you're discouraged mm-hmm. because you don't you ask yourself am I being effective yeah. how are things going different things well what I have found you know is that um, that our teachers and leaders are going through the same thing right because they're discouraged too people are not responding like I mean I've had teachers say you know Rick I sent out I sent out a text to 20 uh, 20 families uh, asking a question. Somebody, I got two responses. He said, I don't know what to do. I said, look, don't take it personal. I said, I go through the same thing. It's just right. kind of where we are with our life, you know, and that stuff. I'll send, you know, people say, I'll send out emails. I'll get no response. So our leaders are discouraged as much as we are. So one of my, one of the things I try to do is encourage them. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> you know, so. We never know that they might be going through something. Right. Yeah, it, it may be something, a uh, relationship issue in the class. It could be in their personal life. I mean, they're people, too. Well, and job, jobs, you know, things are not working out uh, at their job. Or, um, you know, I had a person share with me uh, maybe Monday or Tuesday of this week that they had, quote, a life update. And so oh, I've never heard that one. That's a new one for me. Yeah. Well, life update, uh, and this what translated to uh, a major job change. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, those kind of things and stuff that they're dealing with. And um, so, but anyway, I guess there are a few things that I do to try to encourage them. Mainly, I mean, it's just... Uh, just being personal with them, yeah. whether that be uh, with phone calls or, um, you know, I try to do a little bit more than text, although texts do help, right. you know, kind of yeah. stuff like that. I try to be sensitive of other people's time. But I do spend probably um, um, more so than anything is just taking people to lunch. Right, yeah. And sitting down talking. And so stuff. that's probably the best opportunity. Yeah. For me, it is. Yeah. Well, we're not trying to over- uh, influence ourselves into their lives. We're just trying to to stay as a part of that relationship and just try to stay connected. So mm-hmm. it's important that we at least they get a text from us, an email, us, a phone call, maybe even a visit from us every once in a while. Have the chance just to go face to face. And if they don't see us on Sunday morning, <laughs> oh Lord, <laughs> you know they need to see our face. They need to hear our voice. Along with that is is kind of like. Um, veering off just a little bit maybe off this subject but is reminding reminding our leaders sometimes um we forget what are we doing again tell, <laughs> te- yeah, te- tell me well, again why am i doing why this? am i doing this again yeah. and so it is a it, it sometimes it's it's just a simple calling of like okay guys remember what we're doing why we're doing this and how we're going to do this and stuff and um um 
sometimes people just need to be reminded. Matter of fact, I, I'll probably be doing that in August in our leadership training. You know, what, I do what is called a leadership summit uh, in um, August or September, kind of kick off the new year and stuff like that. And so a lot of that, some of that language, like, I mean, let's just talk about what we're doing here and why we're doing it and how we do it. Yeah. You know, and people just, just need to be reminded of that. And so they need to be reminded of why. Yeah. What's important. Yeah. That's a great point. So let's, let's, let's dive into then leadership development, leadership training opportunities to be able to train our leaders, inspire, encourage. And so you talked about you do a meeting in August. Are there other meetings that you do throughout the year? Is you just do that one meeting or do you do uh, like smaller groups of meetings? What, what, what is your idea for trying to make sure that your people are being reminded of these purposes and, and training you're trying to do to get them prepared to continue to lead? Typically, I will do um, an all-leader meeting four times a year. Okay. I'll do one in um, late August, early September. I'll do another um, late October, maybe the first week of November. I'll do another one somewhere around mid-January, kind of a new vision kicking off the year. Mm -hmm. And then I'll do one typically uh, late April in May. I have one coming up actually this next Wednesday night and um, I typically don't do Wednesday nights but uh, I have uh, in the past and so I thought hey I'll try on the Wednesday night. So I'm doing one this next Wednesday night and so um, that's typically the four four times a year where we have kind of like formal meetings. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you know, it's so spontaneous lunches and different things and stuff where it's not training. Um, it could be training, depending on in the interest level of the particular person I'm having lunch with, but it is uh, more of a connection and just kind of evaluation of how things are going in the class and stuff. And, um, you know, I, a couple of years back, I had a teacher, I met with a teacher, and he was very discouraged, yeah. very discouraged. And uh, he, was, he would have two or three on Sunday mornings. And I said, look, I said, I understand how discouraging it can be. I said, if you you pray about this and and if you feel like that your time is done, then I will honor that. I said, but let's just just try to stick it out a little bit longer because I have found that this particular age group that he was working with some uh, uh, younger adults uh, is, is a lot of – it's just – Cycles yeah. up and down, you know. It it just goes it's a roller coaster. Up. It's a roller coaster, yeah. And so, um, anyway, and about a month, six weeks later, he he ran fifteen. Wow! And, and so he was like, "Man, I'm so glad I stuck it out," you know, and all this kind of <laughs> thing and stuff. And so, uh, those kind of little things, as far as not necessarily training, but words of encouragement and stuff like that. Uh, occasionally, do a e newsletter. Um, and uh, do uh, some teaching tips with there. I'll have a little bit of information about what's going on in the church and then uh, uh, teaching tips and class tips and different things and links to different articles and maybe in the, in the uh, LBC or different stuff like that so people yeah. can do that. So <clears throat> um, when I enlist a leader, uh, I do have a process that I use and sit down with a person and we have I have initiated with a what I call a teacher profile yeah which is um, basically they share 
it has they share about a little bit about themselves. Uh, it has a little bit of a, a, a teacher's covenant on the back. It doesn't get real personal, but it you know it's definitely a, a yeah. standard of lifestyle. There, there should be some kind of expectation. Expectations. Of leaders. Yeah. Uh, and then a few doctrinal questions, uh, but and then I also typically will give them, um, if it's a teacher, I will give them a very very nice Bible, and then or um, I'll give them a Howard Hendricks book, um, you know, teaching adults mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, I, I'll try to help them any way I can. So you you found tools that are helpful for leaders to give them the kind of up in their ministry to try to be a better more effective teacher well yes um and i know that not every church can do this we're fortunate that we're able to do this but i will buy them resources a matter of fact a guy last couple weeks ago a pretty new teacher you know and I, i said how can i how can i help you and he was asking for a particular um commentary mm-hmm. and so I said in my mind I didn't tell him this but in my mind I'm going to do better than that I'm going to get him I mean some first of all I need to see if he wants paper paper uh, or does yeah, he want paper like, or digital or yeah. digital yeah yeah but um, so so I, I will give them those resources and and stuff and that and then I'll also encourage them to be, begin to build their own library right yeah and so you know, especially if a teacher is just starting out, you know, then when he gets somebody my age, he, he, uh, he can have a whole library of resources that are very helpful uh, for him. And so, um, you know, I, I'm hoping that our teachers uh, stick with teaching for a long time. And right. mo- most of them have. Most of our teachers um, have seen it as a, as a calling. Yeah. This and is their ministry. This is their ministry. Right. Yeah. Right. So let's go back to you mentioned a while ago about um, your process for onboarding, enlisting leaders. So kind of give me the steps. What do you go through? How, what, how do you begin this? What do you What are you looking for in a leader, and how do you discover leaders? And then what is your onboarding process? Is this a a form they fill out, or and then give to you, or is this uh, is it a, a formal interview, or what does that look like, and how do you how do you walk through that? Well, I think let's start with what do I look for? Yeah, and so you know the uh, I forget exactly how it's been said over the years. Oh, you know you can you can um, are, are leaders born or are they developed? And the answer to that is both. Yeah, and then then the other thing is that. Um, um, you know, you can't the how to say you can't you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. Yeah, yeah I no. never heard that one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, and, and a and a tiger doesn't change his stripes and different yeah. things like that. There are for me, there are certain elements that um, I look for in a teacher, and I know this. Uh, first of all, as a matter of fact, last night I just got through teaching uh, what's called a shape class, and a shape is an acrostic stands for spiritual gifts, your heart. Uh, a is your abilities, P is your personality, E is your experiences. Not everybody is shaped to be a teacher. Right. And so um, th- there has to be a certain element of ability to, to present, ability to carry on a conversation. In other words, I have some smart guys, and they're very intellectual, and they're, but they may have terrible presentation. Yeah. Or, you know, or even just, personality skills. Uh, yeah, yeah th- 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 that's just not who they are. Not very personable. 
all right. There's nothing against that. That's just not their shape. Let's look yeah. for where you where you can fit in. Where your strengths are. Where your strengths are. So anyway, the, I do look for um, <clears throat> that. And the uh, I guess one of the basic things I look for is what I call fat, mm-hmm. faithful, available, and teachable. Yeah. And uh, when I say faithful, who's already active in Bible study? It's it's a rare bird that I would go find somebody who's just a worship-only attender and ask right. them to be a teacher. That just, it doesn't work. It, yeah, it, it's not you know, what you're looking for. That's not what I'm looking for. And then availability. I've had people tell me that they want to be, you know, a teacher and stuff. I begin to talk about how they need to clear the calendar and how to allow time for study and different things like that. You know what? They're just too involved. Yeah. And they don't want They're not going to do it. And they're not going to do it. And then teachable is a person with a, a spirit who uh, wants to learn more, is open to learning, open to, you know, not an arrogant guy that comes in, thinks I know it all, and, you know, won't tell me how to do things and all that kind of stuff. I'm open to those kind of things, but, you know, you can size that up pretty well as far as being faithful, available, and teachable. But, um, and then I, you know, also look for uh, just uh, dynamics with this this guy. You know, when we hire on staff, we say that there's three things: character, competency, and chemistry. Well, you can apply that actually to a teacher. Yeah. You know, do they? Uh, how is their character? You know, that, yeah. that that's that's extremely important. And, and have to observe that. And, yeah. Yeah. Not just what they say; it's what you see. Well, what I see, you know, and and then you know the. Uh, competency they may not have a competency to begin with but they have the capacity to 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 develop yeah and to learn and then uh the chemistry right. and so what I, what I was going to say was chemistry would this guy be a good match for this age group yeah is this the person that be a good leader or a good relationship with these kind of mm-hmm. folks you know mm-hmm. you don't want to stick a 20 year old in there with a bunch of 70 year old men it might be a dynamic that would be fun to watch. But. Well, typically not. Uh, but um, you know, as far as as far as actually the onboarding process, I, I don't know how much time we got. But so after I have identified a person, yeah, and first of all, what I'm about to say would be true. It's not you know I'm not trying to pull something over on the guy or anything like that. I would say, Sean, listen, man, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. And I don't want you to answer it right now. This is language that I would use yeah. in, in a hallway, okay, on a whatever. We just want to say, I'm going to ask you a question, and I don't want you to answer it right now. But I have an opening in a young adult class for a teacher. And I've been watching you. I've been looking at you. And I really think that you might be a good match for this position. However... All I want you to do right now is think about if you have enough interest in looking into it further. Think about whether or not you want to look into what all involves and what what is expected of a teacher. Right. Don't commit to anything. That's not what I want to ask you to do. Yeah. In three days, I'm going to call you back, and you tell me whether or not you have enough interest in looking into it further. Yeah. And if you say, yes, I have enough interest in looking into it further, well, then we'll make an appointment and I'll sit down and we'll talk about what all is involved. Right. If you say, no, that ain't my cup of tea, fine. No big deal. Great. I'm just glad you considered it. But if you say, yeah, uh, I want to look into it further, then we'll schedule an appointment. I'll yeah. give, uh, I have a uh, new teacher's manual kind of thing, what all is involved, what all is expected, different things. And then, um, and then I, we'll go through that, and then I'll say, 
I want you to take another week and I want you to think about this and pray about this. And uh, at that time, I'll also give them probably a class role, who's in the class, kind of, you know, they can look at attendance and all that kind of stuff and everything. So, um, you know, it just. So it's, it's se- several steps. It's several steps. Yeah. And, and it, you know, uh, one of the things I like about it is it, it's, it's a conversation that leads to a decision. You know, it's it's not just hey hey I need you to do this. Here's the book, and uh, you know, and then next thing you know, you know, even doing it for five years. You know, it's one of those things where it, it's a relationship. You're finding out where they are, and they're finding out what you need. Well, let me say it would differ with different age groups too. Yeah. Okay. And so, what we have a tendency to do in the preschool and children's area, which you know most churches need people in that area, it's more it's more task. Yeah. When they're when whoever's enlisting the teachers will say, "Well, this is what you got to do. You got to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this." Do you want to do that? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Instead of thinking about that, you have an opportunity to um, mold and the minds and make a difference in children's lives and helping us look what Trinity Baptist Church is going to look like tomorrow. Well, you know, and it's so funny you said that because when I go back, there are people that I remember who had an impact. Mm-hmm. that imprinted, you know, that God used to imprint them into my life. And, you know, and I think that sadly you're right. We can do that also with adult leaders sometimes. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if a person has been involved in church, they do have people that have been um, influential in their life growing up. I, I can think of some in my life that, that have been helped mold me and make me who I am stuff and so that's 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 where the fulfillment comes right and the joy comes you know I tell a teacher I said I said look at you know somebody make well, I'm, I'm kind of burnout I said, well I mean there might be some things that we need to talk about burnout let's just not jump ship yet but uh, a a, um, a characteristic I guess you might say or uh, a factor in this is fulfillment yeah Am I am I being fulfilled? If a person goes back to the shape class, where I oh, something I love to do, but I mean there are there are people do things because a pastor will ask them and they don't want to turn them down. You know they don't feel guilty. I don't want you to do that. Yeah. I, my thing is is that if you take a a position in the church and you do it because you're because that's your shape. Then you're going to wake up on Sunday morning. And you're going to go, hey, I get to go do this, as opposed to, right. oh man, this is a burden for me. I have to do this for I the pastor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. if that pastor leaves, well, I ain't got to do it no more. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, you know, I love the fact that you know shape or whatever process people have to identify and kind of help people process, you know, where God might use them. I mean, I. I use a potential leader list. We literally have a list of names that we put up on the board and we pray over. And when God leads to an opportunity, then we have a conversation and we say, we've been, we've been praying for you mm-hmm, all these mm-hmm. months. You know, right, yeah. We literally had that conversation with two men who were helping us start a new class. And whenever uh, one of my leaders brought them in and showed them their names on the list, they're going, you've been praying for? And I'm going, yeah. Yeah. We, we we sought you know we sought God that uh, just prayed and asked God that He would provide people and you're two people that we think have the great opportunity to be able to do that and He says, 
Oh, well, that settles it. We've all we've been thinking about this, but uh-huh. we just we hadn't really. And then you asked us. You know, that's how it happens. And yeah. I've yeah. also had another one where uh, been working with him and trying to find out where he fit. And um, but all his experience was in you know leading a class and teaching. But it was obvious to me that's not really really what he wanted to do. And he ended up in the media booth. You know, uh-huh. doing sound and lights because he's an engineer and he loves that stuff. Right, yeah, yeah. So yeah. really our jobs is to help people to find out not just what it means to worship God and grow in a relationship with God and be a part of a small group and be a part of a ministry, but also to serve God. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just enough to show up. We need to be there with purpose and meaning in our lives. So we got a few more minutes. Let's just talk about a, two more questions. Um Looking back over your years of ministry, now, let's talk about that. A lot has changed. A lot has changed. What are some of the big changes that you see in the back of your mind? I'll tell you one of mine, and then you, you think about what are some of those changes that you, you're, you, you see. Now, obviously, the big change for me is I have to be uh, adapting, always adapting to the culture. And it's not so much letting the culture adapt you know force me to adapt but how am i going to adapt my methodologies and uh my philosophies about how to engage people in the church and how i'm going to lead them you know and being intentional about moving them someplace and not just sitting back and watching and trying to manage it that's a big one for me and it's been huge as an interim uh minister of education at my home church you know I have to I have to kind of think down the road, you know. Well, I can't think what I've always used to do. Now I got to think about how do I get these leaders? How do I get these ministries? How do I get these classes moving forward? What are some of those big changes for you? Wow, that's a um, great question, and I guess there's so many different changes, as you said, in methodology. Yeah, that um, <clears throat> at times can be can be challenging, and and. Of course, you know, with all the cultural changes, especially within the last 10 years and just the um, political mess and different things, especially going through COVID and all that, it's um, it has changed that. I, I guess the fundamental need of right. every individual is to sense that somebody cares, Yeah, a place of belonging. The, uh, where, where do I belong and the need for relationship yeah that's not going to go away no it's not and so I mean even from the creation of mankind God created Adam said it's not good for man to be alone let's create a woman and a relationship is there and so even the relationship between man and God and the Ten Commandments, it's about relationships. Yeah. It's about your relationship with your Heavenly Father. It's a relationship with mankind. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbors yourself. It's, it's, it's all relationships. Yeah. And so now, <clears throat> you know, so the challenges come now. Is, well, how, can we, how can we facilitate that as mm-hmm. a church and be yet be sensitive to the culture that we live in as far as, you know, some of the business of, of the culture. And that will that will vary from, you know, church to church, town to town and, and different things. But um, how how do we do that? And so I guess for me, some of the, the changes um, 
that happened and you know wasn't necessarily by design and stuff it just it just happens and that is uh unfortunately um some of the deprogramming and yeah. and that that's happened uh here at trinity we're trying to ramp that up a little bit but um you know we we don't do anything on sunday nights but yet uh we're looking at some ways maybe to help facilitate relationship building and, and stuff. So that, that's a big thing. I mean, there's others. I don't know how much time we have, but uh, it's, it's just, it, it is a challenge. It's challenging days, no, yeah. no doubt. And the truth is we need to encourage others because, you know, we're all doing life and hopefully we're doing it with other people. Right, know? right, right. And yeah. we'll never achieve perfection in this life. And we got realized that we have to work with people who will never be perfect either. Well, and uh, I was going to ask you when you said changes, changes in ministry or changes on myself that, I, well, that I've done? Both. It's a both know, and. Kind of thing. So yeah. I guess I, for me, my uh, personally, I've kind of um, uh, been a little bit more understanding of people and their time and their um, what goes on in their life. You know, when I was a young gun, you know, it's like. Yeah, why aren't you doing this? Uh, yeah, shape up or ship out, buddy. <laughs> You know, something about wisdom, experience, and yeah. older age. Yeah, right. when, when you're in the second half of life, it does change perspective a yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, You know, it, it helps you evaluate what's really important now. Yeah. Well, you know, kind of thing. Well, so. Rick, I've certainly enjoyed visiting with you. I hope this has been helpful, and I wish you well in your ministry in years to come. We pray that you heard something in this podcast that God can use in your life and ministry that will help you to be the man or woman of God that he will use to accomplish his will for his glory. There's nothing more exciting than to be inspired to find new meaning and purpose and vision for your ministry. At the same time, ministry can be demanding, mundane, and frustrating. No matter what season you're in, God has a plan. You are his masterpiece. You can trust him. You're not alone. So please join us again in our next podcast for Discipleship Matters. This podcast is made possible by your gifts through the Cooperative Program.